thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today, this is, uh, this is a day that a message is pretty straightforward. It's a message about our Savior Jesus Christ. It's a simple message. But the simplicity of the gospel is something that's the most powerful message in the world. Actually, it's the only message that changes and has transformed the world. And so today, I want to share with you on this Easter celebration, Resurrection Day, a message about Jesus Christ who conquered death, hell, and the grave. And I believe that God wants to do something new in all of us. I believe he wants us to leave here today with a new understanding about his cross, about his love for you about his passion for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something today. Open up your heart, open up your mind, open up your spirit. Let God speak to you. Let him change you and transform you. And I believe it's gonna, we're going to have a great day. And I'm going to be talking from Matthew 27. I'm not going to be reading from the whole passage. But and in Matthew 27 is an account. It's an account of, of three crosses. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to talk to you about those three crosses and there were three men hanging on those crosses on a hill called Calvary. And so let's pray before we get into the message today. Father, thank you so much for your mercy, for your love, for your greatness, for your care, for your concern, for your sensitivity in our own lives. Thank you, Lord, that you know us personally. You know everything about us. And you are pursuing each of us today. So we do. Father, we open our hearts so you could speak to us and you would minister deeply into our hearts. In Jesus' name, we all say. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you about these three crosses in Matthew 27. Most of the time we talk about the cross in the middle, and rightfully so, the cross of Jesus Christ who, who was crucified, who was the Son of God, and who bore upon himself the sins of the world, and he came for us, and he's worthy of all praise, and we're going to continue to speak about this middle cross. But I don't want you to forget so quickly on Easter that actually there were three crosses that day. There were three crosses on the hill of Calvary. And I don't know why there were three crosses. Maybe the Roman soldiers, just they, they didn't want to extend their days out very long. And they didn't want to wait on individuals to die. So they crucified three men, put them on three crosses, put them on a hill called Calvary. He grouped them together. And they didn't see Jesus any different than the other thieves. They didn't see Jesus the way that you and I see him. And we know there's a, a, a remarkable amount of Backstory to Jesus being crucified, the fulfillment of so many prophecies that would point and prove that he had to be the Messiah. But they thought he was just like everybody else. So there were three bodies hanging on three crosses. Shamed, mocked, beaten, ridiculed, and naked. Three men suffering. The crowds were gathering, the crowds were walking by and, and mocking them and spitting at them, yelling insults at them as they were in agony, as they were gasping for air, as they were writhing in pain. Three crosses, three men, 
And the manner of execution on all three of these men was exactly the same, very similar, every single one of them. But their deaths were totally different. Every cross was a totally different death. And so of the three crosses, there was one man on the left and one man on the right. And a man named Jesus in the center, who is a Savior and the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But of these men, on the left and to the right, on each side of Jesus, they were criminals. We find in Scripture that they're called the thieves, the two thieves. But they were criminals. Both of them had a similar journey to this cross, to this place. Both of them. Who knows what had happened in their backstory? Who knows what they had gone through in their lives? But many times when you look at criminals' lives, or let's say these thieves' lives, there always, this seem, there always seems to be these common denominators that begin to influence and shape and, and move someone along the pathway of a criminal or a thief. And most criminals don't wake up one day and think, you know what, I'm going to do something today that's going to put me on death row. I'm going to do something today that if I get caught, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be prosecuted. I'm going to go away, and I'm going to die. Most criminals don't do that. Normally, it's a history of decisions that these criminals make and what these two criminals have made. But also, in mix with these decisions, you need to understand there's also a lot more going on in these thieves' lives. Because criminals, yes, they make bad decisions, and yes, they are caught. But most of the time, in many of their lives, and, and I like to believe in these two thieves as well, there is a history of pain. There's a history of disappointment. There's a history of things happening to them that change them from the inside out. Usually it's some story of tragedy of maybe being abandoned or being hurt or being left alone by a father or a mother or a deep disappointment from a father or a mother or a life of abuse or an incident that hardened their heart and the life of these hard knocks and they begin to make decisions from a place of the condition of their heart which is a place of pain, a place of disappointment. The both of these men on each side of Jesus had ended up, remember, in the same place with a very similar journey. And so I want us to look at these two men, and I want to start with the man on the right of Jesus, to our left, on this cross right here. This man was 10 feet away from the Savior of the world, 10 feet away from the God, or God in the flesh, who was bleeding, who was dying who was suffering. He was groaning and hearing in the midst of Jesus' pain. This man on the right of Jesus begins to hear Jesus respond to this pain, respond to the weight of this cross. And he begins to hear him say things and pray for those who were crucifying him, praying for those who were mocking him, praying for those who whipped them. And this man here on the right of Jesus begins to hear Jesus say things and pray for these, for these men who were doing this. And he said this, Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. But this man's heart 
to our left and to the right of Jesus was so calloused, was so hardened by what life had done to him. Now whatever had happened to this man, I don't know all the details, but what I do know is that whatever happened to him had left its mark on him, had left a mark on him physically, a mark on him emotionally, and a mark on him mentally. This man was a man filled with pain from the inside out. It was the pain of the mistakes that he himself had brought on himself. It was the pain of the things that were done to him, things that caused him pain, that he didn't actually have any control over. He was just a victim that made him bitter, that made him angry, that made him so hardened that the Bible says that as he hung 10 feet just next to the Son of God, he cursed Jesus. He mocked Jesus. He said this. He says, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the Son of God? Well, then why don't you save yourself? Come down from that cross. And he was cursing him. And I want you just to catch this for a moment. This thief on the right of Jesus is gasping for air. In order for him to breathe, when you hang on a cross, you have to push up on your legs because your shoulders are so high up. The space in your lungs is limited. And he had to push up to breathe. And here he is gasping of air, riddled with pain. And this man uses the last few words of his life, the last few breaths of his life to curse Jesus next to him. This thief said, hey, why don't you prove that you're the Messiah? Why don't you prove you're the Messiah by coming down from that cross? But he didn't realize that Jesus coming down from the cross wouldn't prove that he was the Messiah. It was the fact that Jesus chose to stay on the cross that proved that he was the Messiah. It was his choice. And the cross that this thief is on, the cross that we're talking about on the right side of Jesus is what we're going to call the cross of rebellion. Whether you realize this or not, my friends, every one of us has a cross to carry. Every single one of us. I wish I could stand up here this morning and tell you that life is, uh, I wish I could tell you that life is like a field full of Easter lilies. And you could just run through them and your whole job is to find the hidden Easter eggs in those Easter lilies. But we know that's not true. We know that's not the case. We know that life doesn't always turn out the way we want it to turn out. Life doesn't always happen the way we want it to happen. We all know this. And there's a reality that we all go through difficulties, every single one of us. This whole idea that once you become a follower of Jesus that nothing bad's going to happen to you, that's actually not even in the Bible anywhere. And so to think that life is just easy. It's a wrong way to approach life. We all know it hurts. Every single one of us in this room have had disappointment. You've had pain of your own decisions. You've had something happen to you that wasn't your decision. We've been, dis we, we've been hurt. We've been disappointed. And there's a reality. We all go through difficulties. 
whether it's a broken marriage, whether it's financial devastation, whether it's a loss of a child, whether it's not being able to have children, sickness, unfair things have happened to you. Maybe you've been hurt by family, you've been hurt by friends, you've been hurt by a church, you've been hurt by a person in the church, someone you trust, things that you've done, decisions you've made that have caused pain in your own life. You know what, we, and we never set out to be bitter. We never set out for our emotions to turn to resentment. We never intended our pain to poison our hearts. We never intended for the pain of our life to be something that makes us process through every decision and every thought and this negative slant. And the poison of this resentment and what happens along the way, and we don't realize it's happening, is that we view everything and everybody through this filter of our pain. And what we don't realize is that our pain and our bitterness blinds us and numbs us from the fact that God is right in front of us, just like this thief. Ten feet away, he didn't know that the son of the living God, he didn't know the only thing that can offer him hope is right in front of his face. He didn't know that all he needed to do is use his, his energy and his last breaths to say something to him, and this Jesus would have helped him. But he chose not to. I mean, we've never, we never wanted the pain of our past to keep us into prison. We never wanted these feelings and these emotions. We never wanted any of that. But the fact is this, my friends, that's life. Things happen. And I do. I wish I could stand up before you as, as, as a pastor and say, listen, I, I want you to know it's, it's, it's all going to be okay. It's very hard to hear that and to understand that when you're in the middle of pain. I wish I could tell you that bad things aren't going to happen, but they do happen. And you might be thinking, well, thanks, gee, thanks, Jason. Happy Easter to you too. But the reality is the cross of our life hurts. And these feelings of resentment they come up. They happen. And what's interesting, when you look at Scripture, there's, there's always stories of the Bible that, that you think, oh, that's good then. And, oh, look at them back then. And that's how they responded then. But no, no, no. Our journey is exactly the same. Humanity is still the same. Life still hurts. Life still is unexpected. Storms still come. Pain still happens. Disappointment. Our own foolishness. It all happens. And those feelings of resentment towards God, they just didn't happen to the thief. They're actually still happening today. I've been told that when I see you face to face, it will all make sense. But it doesn't make sense. What need is there for me to bow my knee to two pieces of wood made from a tree? The truth is, I've lived a good life. I've done the best I could. But apparently that is not enough to spare me from a life of pain that I do not deserve. It wasn't fair when my job got taken from me when I'd worked hard and been faithful. It wasn't fair when my daughter got pregnant from a guy who forced himself upon her. 
It wasn't fair when I had to watch my brother go through the pain of a messy divorce or see my best friend lose a child. Where were you then? Where were you when everything was falling apart? It isn't fair that for the past 10 years I've lived a mediocre existence that I never dreamed was possible. It isn't fair that you have seemed to take very little interest in my life. But I've been told that when I see you face to face, it will all make sense. And yet here I stand and it makes no sense. I will not bow. I will not release. No, I will take my life in my own hands. I will guard it and protect it. Because obviously, you won't. the condition of the thief on the ride of Jesus. My friends, no matter where you are today, don't let something that happened in life keep you from Jesus. Don't let the pain and the resentment keep you from Jesus. What I know about life is this. Everything is always better with Jesus, even in the midst of trouble, especially trouble. Especially storms, especially things that, that come at you and hurt you and, and just hit you in a, in a way that throws you off. And you find yourself frustrated with life and blaming God. I see people go through things that instead of it softening their hearts and causing them to draw closer to God, but the, the pain actually pushes them away from God. And actually, they, they use it as a leverage to, to get God away from them. And what happens along the way on the pain and disappointments of life, that their hearts pick up a spirit of rebellion against God. And this man, on the right of Jesus at this moment, he died on the cross of rebellion. Now what's interesting is that there was another thief. There was another thief in this story. And this man was going through the same things as the man on the right. Again, we've already talked that their journey was very similar. Very, probably a very similar life, but both of them had suffered the same manner of execution, the same manner of whipping, the same manner of pain, the same manner of crucifixion. And they found themselves at this same place. But I want you just to notice this just for a moment. It's amazing that they can go through the same thing as each other. And they can respond differently to a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. Their response to him was totally different. This one here on the right was always blaming God. He was next to God and he blamed God for his troubles. God, if you cared, if you loved, if, if, if you even knew I was... Maybe you would have helped me, but you don't because you must not be real. And he cursed him. It's much like this. The, the same sun that hardens the clay softens butter. The same gospel and good news of Jesus Christ that gives hope and saves one person condemns and will harden another person. The same message of Jesus that causes some to fall to their knees and accept the love of Jesus and cry out for mercy. Others allow it to stiffen their back. And they, it's at that moment that they resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. These two thieves are both going through the same thing. Within a few feet of Jesus, 
And the man on the left has been listening to Jesus. The man on the left of Jesus, he's, he's, he's been hearing everything that this man has said. Same pathway. And he's heard him cry out. He's seen the nails in his hands. He's watched him endure crucifixion. And he hasn't heard him curse. He hasn't heard him just, just act out in anger. But instead he's heard him pray. And he's, he's heard him ask those who were crucified, ask God to forgive them, asking God to touch them. Just like the other man, they've heard the same thing. This man, the same pain as the other, the one on the left of Jesus. Same path as the other, totally different response. This man calls out to Jesus, and he uses his last few words, his last few breaths that he can get out and use as a human being. The last few moments on this life or in this world. He uses his last breaths on earth not to curse Jesus, but to ask him for mercy. He says this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this man knew Jesus was no ordinary man. He actually knew that he was the Messiah. This man that's on the cross, that his heart begins to to burn within him. And he begins to realize that the man next to him is what he's been looking for his whole life. He begins to realize that the man next to him was actually there to help him, to serve him, not to condemn him. He begins to call out to him and say, Jesus, remember me. And it's in the midst of his pain. It's in the midst of his life mistakes. It's in the midst of his bad decisions, his disappointments. He allows his pain not to push him away from Jesus, but to draw him to Jesus. And to allow him to ask for help, to ask for mercy. And then you have the goodness of Jesus who responds back to this man and he says this, Today you will be with me in paradise. Today. For the thief on the left that we're looking at, he was on the cross of rebellion. But for the thief on our right, he was on the cross of repentance. Every single one of us has a cross of life. Every single one of us has a cross we have to carry. It's not perfect. Our cross of life is not perfect. No matter how much we pretend, no matter how much we can, we can come to Easter service, and I'm so glad all of us are here, but no matter how much we come in here and we smile and we pretend our life is good, the reality is our life has hurt us. We've carried our own cross, and and we're in pain. Every single person on the planet has a cross of life they have to carry. And I believe what God wants to say to all of us today as we look at this story is, don't let the cross of your life, your pain, your suffering, your questions, your mistakes, your disappointments... Don't let the should-haves and the should-bes and why did that happen. Do not let your cross become the cross of rebellion. Don't let it happen. But I believe what God would say to all of us today, we need to let our cross become the cross of repentance. And every single one of us need to surrender all of our lives to Jesus.
have been told that when I see you face to face, it will all make sense. But it doesn't make sense. I've made my bed and now I have to lie in it. With all the consequences that have come from my foolishness, stupidity, and wandering. When I left my family because I could not see past my own selfishness, I've lived with the consequences, but I deserve it. When I dropped out of school and started going from one relationship to the next, from one experience to the next, from one substance to the next, hoping that someone, anyone, anything would fill the hole inside. Now, my life is a mess and my heart is broken. I feel like I've wandered for so long. Would you even want me back? I do not deserve whatever it is that you can give me. But here I am, face to face, and all I can say is, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my life. How could you possibly be desperate for me? But I am desperate for you. If you can, if you will, take everything in my life. The rebellion, the wandering, the things that I have chosen over you. I will surrender my life into your hands. I will let you guard and protect my life. Because obviously, I can't. Two crosses, same journey, same pain, same hurt. The crosses they both carry, the cross that you and I, each of us carry. And here's, here's the crazy thing about this, this story and this understanding, these two thieves. We are one of them. None of us can escape this room and say, you know, well, I, yeah, I wasn't that thief. Or no, I was, every single one of us in this room has a cross. But the outcome of what that cross is going to be called is up to us. The outcome of how we allow the pain and the hurt and where we're going through. And that cross that each of us carry. What's it going to turn into for you? Is it going to turn into the cross of rebellion or is it going to turn into the cross of repentance? Three crosses. The cross of rebellion or the cross of repentance. And now the cross in the middle, which is my favorite cross. It's the cross of redemption. That middle cross that Jesus is hanging on. That Jesus hung on and he was bleeding and he was dying for the whole of the world. It's at the middle cross that we understand redemption. This, this, the most known scripture in all of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The middle cross, the cross of redemption was just not about saving the sinner. It was about giving us a place to always run to. No matter how long you've walked with Jesus, you better learn how to live your life at the foot of this cross. This is it. 
This isn't a cross you, you come to one time and then you go off and you carry your cross. If you do that, you will end up living this life of rebellion. You will end up with your heart, your heart hard, your conscience seared, hating God, hating people. The whole filter of your life will be through this cross of rebellion. No, no, Jesus went to this cross so that if we stay next to him. He helps us carry our cross. We're not alone carrying our cross. When you're in the darkest moment of your life, you're not alone. You've got the cross of redemption right next to you. You've got the cross that's there to give you hope. You've got the cross that's there to give you life. It's the middle cross of redemption. That means Jesus Christ has already carried your sin to the cross. And whatever you're struggling with today, whatever you're dealing with today, He has carried your struggle to that cross. He's carried your addiction to that cross. He's carried the mistake that no one else knows about. The closet sin. The mistake that that you're afraid, that you try to push it to the back of your mind, but in the evening times, the the knot in your stomach comes up because you're afraid someone's going to find out. He carried that sin to the cross. He carried your suffering to that cross. He carried your pain to that cross. He carried your disappointment to that cross. He carried your questions. Yeah, but I've got too many questions to really draw near to God. He took your questions to the cross. That middle cross redeems us from the curse of sin, the stain of sin that is on your life. It redeems your family. Thank God it redeems my children. It redeems my past. It redeems my shame. It redeems my guilt. It gives me a future. It it cuts the chains of my past and allows me to live a life that is in the future. That's what the cross does. It redeems us from the things that should make us bitter. There are young adults here that the divorce of your parents has anchored you in your life to a tragedy. And you think, God, you must not love me because you let that happen. And you're carrying a cross. It is painful. It's this middle cross. The things that should make us bitter. The things that should make us rebel against God. It's the cross of redemption. That takes everything that the enemy meant for our evil. And it turns it around for good. It's that cross. It redeems us. It's the middle cross. It's the place where we lay everything down. We lay our lives down. And we accept the power of this middle cross that changes us. It's the redemption of Jesus Christ who three days after he was on this cross, he rose from the dead. He is alive and and he is well. It's the cross of redemption we leave our sin at. It's the cross of redemption that we leave our rebellion at. It's the cross of redemption that we leave our broken, wounded crosses of our hearts. 
and we leave our disappointment. It's at that cross and at the feet of Jesus that we give our lives to Jesus. And the question for all of us here, every one of us is carrying a cross. What do you need to lay down at the cross of redemption to keep your cross from becoming a cross of rebellion? What do you need to lay down at the cross of redemption to make sure that your cross is the cross of repentance? The thief on the cross of rebellion allowed the pain of his life to define what he's known for. He's the rebellious thief. His legacy was rebellion. Who wants a legacy of rebellion? This thief, his legacy was repentance. His legacy, the last few moments of his life were preaching a message about his decision. He would have never thought that his message would be used to bring people to know Jesus Christ. In a split second, a decision, everything changed for him. His legacy was the cross of repentance. It's the moment, actually in all of the Bible, this is the only place that there is a deathbed confession. It's the only place that we find. And most people think, I'll deal with my hurts later. I'll deal with my pain later. I'll, I'll come to the cross of redemption when I'm older. I'll come maybe when I'm on my deathbed. My friend, you were not promised tomorrow. You're not promised if you leave from this room that you're going to still be alive by the end of the day. I hope all of you are, but you're not promised that. What is it that you need to lay down to make sure that your cross of life is the cross of repentance? That your legacy for your family, for your children, for your life, you're known, man, they stay close to Jesus. They weren't perfect. They were hurt. They were broken. But they stay close to Jesus. As a father, I want my children to stay close to Jesus. Which means I've got to lay down my pride. I can't allow the pains of life and insecurities. I can't allow anger. I can't allow financial trouble. I can't allow the loss of a loved one. Harden my heart, but I must allow my pain to be a leverage that gets me closer to Jesus. What things do you need to lay down at the cross of redemption? Today is your day. God cares for you. Some of you came today with bitterness, you came with brokenness. You came with the pain of the past. Many of you are angry with God. You're angry with others. Some of you have never accepted Jesus. And God's dealing with your heart today. But I believe that God wants every one of us to leave here today 
laying things down at the cross of redemption. For some of you, it's going to be your life for the first time. For others, it's going to be your pain. For others, it's going to be a recommitment. But come on, let's allow Easter to be a time where our lives are actually changed. Some of you are, are walking on a pathway that is very close to being that cross of rebellion. And I want to give you a moment to allow the loving, gracious, wonderful hand of the Father to begin to pull back the curtains of your heart. To say, daughter, I want you to lay that down at my cross. Son, stop carrying that. Don't allow that to be the poison that causes your cross of life to be one of rebellion. I believe God wants to reveal many things to all of us today. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.